Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. For more information or to find a therapist in your area, visit our website at therapyforblackgirls.com. While I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 291 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. We'll get right into our conversation after a word from our sponsors. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first, and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in-store. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. What did Diddy and Missy say? It's all about the Benjamins, baby. 
there's no better time than the start of the new year to get your financial house in order. Budgeting, retirement, emergency savings, and investing are all keywords we throw around when talking about money. But how can we apply them to our lives? Today, I'm joined by Tiffany the Budget Nista Aliche, America's favorite personal financial educator and author of the New York Times bestseller, Get Good With Money. Tiffany got candid about financial planning, gave us tips to prepare for a recession, and 10 components of financial wholeness. If something resonates with you while enjoying our conversation, please share it with us on social media using the hashtag TVG in session. Or come on over and join us in the sister circles to talk about the episode. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. Here's our conversation. So excited to be chatting with you today, Tiffany. I'm excited to be here. Yes, it feels like we are way overdue for a chat about how to get (laughs) our money together. Yes. (laughs) So you are affectionately known as the Phil Jackson of financial education coaching. (laughs) Really? And a lot of our community, again, was very excited to hear that we were chatting with you. And I just personally love your approach because I feel like whenever you talk about money, like I don't feel embarrassed or ashamed. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like some people approach this very critically and I feel like you do it in a very loving and inviting but very serious way mm-hmm. and so people are wanting to start working with maybe like a financial coach or somebody what kinds of accreditations or trainings should people look for to make sure they're working with somebody who's like credible and knowledgeable so this is actually a really great question that I get all the time Dr. Joy and it's important to understand that so like I'm a financial educator and so I typically don't work one-on-one with people but if I was going to it would be on the basics so like this is how you budget save this is how you raise your credit but if you're wanting someone who's going to take a deeper dive for things like investing and insurance so I highly suggest getting someone who's not just a financial advisor that's like in general, they've passed some tests. You are going to want the gold standard, which is a certified financial planner. So they're a financial advisor that's had a certain number of years in, has passed a certain number of tests. And so a certified financial planner will holistically look at your life. Like I have a dope sister, Anjali, who is my certified financial planner. And even me, with all that I know about personal finance, I just assumed we were going to get right to the money and get right to the investing. And no, we didn't for the first year. The first year we worked on getting my insurance together and figuring out what my goals were and looking even at my businesses because Anjali helps with that too, financially. And so that's what you're looking for, a certified financial planner if you're wanting someone to to walk you through the rooter to the tutor when it comes to your money. <laughs> love it, love it. Thank you for that. Adding on that, Tiffany, I do feel like money can be something that a lot of people feel like they can kind of just talk about without necessarily having the appropriate like accreditations and training and stuff like that. Are there ways that we can be careful or red flags we should look out for scams related to people who want to be financial planning, financial coaching and that kind of thing? Absolutely. Anyone who makes it seem that you're going to be able to be rich overnight, because there are some people, as the kids say, who hit a lick. You get famous on social media overnight and you've made some money, but typically financial transformation takes time. So someone who does not acknowledge that it takes time, that's a red flag. Someone who is irritated by your questions, 
And so I was a school teacher before I started the Budgetista. And so I love educating and teaching. So I look for an educator. But why? But when? But how? Like when I first met Anjali, I thought that she was going to be like, girl, get off my line. <laughs> because I like to ask a lot of questions, whether it's a social media person that you are reaching out to or someone that you're working with intimately, they should be educating. Can they explain something simply? Because that's a hallmark that they understand the thing. If I can't explain it to my five-year-old niece, Amelia, then I don't know it well enough. And also, if they're selling too much of like this rich lifestyle, not to say that they don't know what they're talking about, but I caution people to think that that is something they're going to be able to replicate. A few years ago, I stopped talking and, and teaching about financial freedom because I felt like the educator in me was like, will the average person have a lump sum of money one day where they never have to work? And for many people, that's not going to be the reality. And the teacher in me likes to teach to where every student can succeed. And so I came up with something else called financial wholeness, which is where these 10 components of your financial life, if you master them, you might not have that lump sum, but you'll still be able to go on vacation. You'll still be able to look after your parents and your friends and your family. You'll still be able to be okay and live well now. And so you want someone who is not just teaching to the tiny 1% that their lessons and their tasks and the things that they're teaching you really can apply to a wider range of people. So that's what you're going to look for. Mm. So can you give us a crash course in these 10 components of financial <laughs> wholeness? I sir can. You know what? Let me go ahead and get good with money. This is my Vanna Black moment. There we go. <laughs> so this is my New York Times bestselling book, Get Good With Money. And I wrote it in response to the literally tens of thousands of questions I used to get every day. And the teacher in me was just like, oh, man, like, I wish I had like a tool to give people when I'm not here. I wanted something like a legacy that they could hear my voice and go through the lessons without having me to sit next to them like I used to when I first started Budgetista. So... First thing is budgeting. You have to get your budget under control. That's number one. And each of these 10 will let you know if you have reached 100% of financial wholeness. So do you have a budget? Is it semi-automated? Two is saving. Have you mastered saving? And is that automated as well? Three is debt. You don't have to be debt free, but do you have a debt plan in place that is actively working on your behalf, automated as well, so you have to set it and semi-forget it, so you have a debt plan in place that's working for you. Four is your credit. Ideally, you wanna have a credit score of 740 or above. 740 is the beginning of perfect credit. Some of your friends are like, oh, I got an 800. It's like, that's cute, sis, we don't need all that. Once you have a 740, you and I can get the same interest rate. So that's four. Five is learning to earn. And so this is critical because I think everyone thinks that the key to mastering their money, especially for black folks, is to spend less. And that's not true. You have to sometimes learn to bring more income in. Sometimes that's the solution. So learning to earn, whether it's getting a raise at work or finding external income from your normal job. Six is investing for both retirement and wealth. There's a distinction because when you invest for retirement, that is so you can maintain your current lifestyle. So look around. This is how you're going to live when you are older, your current lifestyle. Investing for wealth, though, allows you to increase your lifestyle and to leave a legacy. But retirement comes first. So solidify your current lifestyle first. Six is getting good with insurance. So 
Many people don't understand the power and the purpose of insurance. Insurance is there to protect your assets. So when I first started working with Anjali, she was like, girl, you are insured like you're 25. I was like, but I look 25. She's like, but you're not. So she was like, you now have this successful business. You have properties and you don't have enough insurance to protect your assets in case one, something happens to you or two, something happens on your properties. And so I had to increase my insurance. So understanding and having enough insurance. Seven is net worth. So your net worth is just what you own minus what you owe. And you want to have a positive net worth. You want to own more than you owe. You do this by increasing your assets and decreasing your liabilities. Eight is your financial team. Money is a team sport. You should not be out here doing it alone. At the very least, you should have an accountability partner. It could be your work hubby. It could be your bestie, your cousin, your mama, your dad, someone that you're connected with that wants to see you win and you want to see them win as well. But also it might be an insurance agent. It might be a certified financial planner. It might be a, your accountant. It might be an attorney, but having a financial team in place is going to be critical. And last but not least, 10 is estate planning. So this is really important, especially for us as a black community, because so many of us don't have the estate in place that if something should happen to us, many of you know my husband passed away like a little over a year ago. And candidly, we didn't have a will because he was 41. And we were literally working on it two weeks before he passed away. Like Anjali was like, you guys really need to get your will together just because we had been working through all of our finances. And we were like, okay, okay, okay. Because you think to yourself, no one passes away at 41. But he had an aneurysm and he was here on Tuesday and gone by Saturday. Of all the components of financial wholeness, that's the one component that we dragged our feet on. Thankfully, because we did have the nine other components of financial wholeness done, that it made the financial transition of him not being here not as hard, but that little part that the will cover, it made me realize I got mine together within a week of him passing away. I sat down with my parents and made them get theirs together. They had one, but not since my sisters and I were kids. My trust is finally complete because I own businesses. So that estate planning component, you might think to yourself, well, I don't have an estate, but do you have children? What do you want to happen with your children? Do you own a home? Maybe you have like a jewelry collection. You want to be able to say that when you're no longer here, your family can just miss you. I'm grateful. I have an amazing black therapist and Dr. Green has reminded me through all of this that I am allowed to feel gratefulness even through the grief. And so that's the space that I'm in now because of all of the financial choices that we make collectively and individually, I get to just miss my husband. And I want that for everyone because death is the most uncommon common thing it's like mm -hmm. everyone passes away at one point but it feels like not your people until they do and so i want us to be prepared for that 
Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. I do think so. We've heard raving reviews. I have a copy of your book and love it. So I definitely would encourage people to dig more into the 10 components that you shared. But we will talk, I'm sure, about some more of those today as well. So I know that you have been paying attention on social media and just probably in your own grocery stores to the rising prices of everything, right? So yes. all the jokes about eggs and we're going to have to paint potatoes for Easter this year, <laughs> right? All of the things like there's clearly you know lots of inflation people are preparing for a recession and so what kinds of things would you advise people to do in terms of like making a tighter grocery budget as they prepare for a recession even before recessions ever come you should have mentally and just even physically have something that I call a noodle budget prepared This is your break the glass in case of emergency budget. You're not to live at your noodle budget, but you should know what it is. And I call it like your ramen noodle budget, meaning that if you had to cut out the bells and whistles of your life, so it's like, you know, I'm just going to take care of my necessities, you know, bills and things I have to maintain, how much would my life cost me? So knowing what that is, so that way when something happens, you lose your job, a recession comes, you can quickly drop down and get your noodle on, girl. Because too many of us, when financial trauma happens, still live at that same level for far too long. So that's what I would suggest first and foremost. Even if you're like, I've got a great job, even with the rise in prices, I'm still able to maintain, you should still know what your noodle budget is because it's just a preparation tool that you can temporarily live at while you ride the wave through whatever financial hardships are happening externally. So that's first and foremost. Second, if you are still gainfully employed, I want you to be mindful about beefing up your emergency savings. So you have to get a little creative. My mom and dad raised five girls and my mom went to the butcher for me, the baker for bread. You know, there are places you could go to cut back on prices. Ask yourself, do the kids really need Fruit Loops? Isn't there a Fruity O, you know, a generic (laughs) brand that you could do? My mom used to put the Fruity O's in the Fruit Loops box. (laughs) or else we wouldn't eat it. And so like leaning in and also too, there's so many meal preps and meal plans of things that you can make with relatively inexpensive things like rice and beans and like cutting back on your groceries intentionally, but using that extra money if you do have it to beef up your emergency savings at least three months is what you wanna have as a baseline. And then you ask yourself, hey self, Based upon the industry I'm in, this is how quickly I could get new income should I lose my job. Let's just say you're a nurse. My mom was a nurse before she retired. So for her, three months is plenty because nurses back then and now are in super high demand. She's a nurse. If you're a nurse, you ain't never going to not have a job. But my sister is a mechanical engineer. As a black woman, it took her two years to get her first job. She might need six months to a year's worth of emergency savings. So the baseline is three, and then you look at your industry. So I want, like, before we hit this, what's seemingly looking like a pretty bad recession, if you have the means to really start stacking up your emergency fund so you have it with you, and start having the conversations with your family, especially if you have children. I think that we think that it's, especially in black folk, how we are, when it comes to talking to kids about money, we think that it's inappropriate to talk to our kids about money. And I say it's inappropriate not to. Because just because the kids don't hear you doesn't mean they don't feel the financial crunch. And so there's ways to do it in a way that's age appropriate. 
My father, who was a CFO, this is where I learned all of my financial things as a child. He would talk to us. We would have weekly family meetings about homework, about chores, but also about the state of our family's finances. And it was never from a place of deprivation and fear. Just matter of fact, here's where we stand. It was always goal oriented too. You guys said you wanna to go to Disneyland, but the light bill keeps going up and up and up. Do you know if you turn the lights off, the bill goes down and down and down? <laughs> and if you do that, then we could put the money in our, our vacation jar and we can go to Disneyland. So I didn't hear, oh my gosh, we're spending too much on the light bill. I heard, we're going to Disney, mm -hmm. you know? So that's a great way to phrase it and position it for younger kids. And as your child is older, you can use allowance if that's something that you do to help have the conversation. I have a 16-year-old bonus daughter. She was just here with me this week. So I've hired her to do my TikToks. Although I don't even want to be on TikTok, but it's an opportunity for us to talk about money. So I told her, I'm like, now you have a job. We can start setting aside for retirement. Well, what's that? Well, why is my check lower? So it opens up that conversation. And so... That's what I would say is intentionally reducing your expenses by being creative when it comes to food shopping and food planning. Know what your noodle budget is. You don't have to live there, but know what it is. So if you do experience financial trauma, you can quickly get to it. Start having the conversations with your family. That should just be something you want to do anyway and make that normal. Mm -hmm. More from our conversation after the break. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us. Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. 
And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. So you talked a lot about preparing for the loss of a job, right? And unfortunately, we know that even recently there have been significant amounts of layoffs. And so yes. I would imagine there may be some people listening who were maybe preparing to put this plan in place and now have found themselves without a total loss of income. Yes. So are there other suggestions besides the things that you shared that you would offer to someone who is maybe facing a recent layoff? So during the last major recession, the one in 2009, 2010, I was a school teacher and I suddenly lost my job about three days before the school year started. And the things I did right were that like I immediately lowered my home expenses. I was fortunate that I could move back home. I know everyone does not have that option, but you have to make drastic changes. Is that getting a roommate? Is that moving to a smaller place? Is that seeing as their family that you could move in with? Because unemployment, as we all know, is not going to enable you to manage. So one, making, committing to making drastic changes and trying not to wait. Two, reaching out to your service providers, like your electric bill, your any bill that you're paying. One good thing that COVID brought into the zeitgeist is that almost every provider has some sort of plan in place for you ain't got it. So you could start to have that conversation now and say, here's what's happened. What plan do you have to help me see this through? Everyone came up with a plan. There were places like credit card companies and mortgage companies. They had something, but now everyone has that. So don't be afraid to have that conversation. And three, if you are in dire straits, then I want you forget the noodle budget. You're going to get down to your health and safety budget. That is when you only pay for things that are related to your safety and your health. Meaning I need to pay my rent because where will I live? I don't want to be unhoused. I need my asthma medication because this is, allows me to breathe. You know what? This other bill, like maybe my cable bill, I'm wanting to cancel it and I did cancel it, but I'm back old. Let it be back old. I know it sounds crazy to say. I can't tell you how many people didn't get their money because I didn't have it. 
And I had to be okay with temporarily saying, when I get it, you get it. That right now I'm focused on my health and safety expenses. So I give you the permission to be late because to be late is better than for you to be unsafe and unhealthy. And then once you start to rebuild, you revisit with them. So you don't wanna just stop paying, you wanna have the conversation and saying, I'm not gonna be able to send this in. Is there something you could do to help? If not, if the answer is no, it's like, well, when I have it, I'll reach back out again. And if you find that people are harassing you, because I want you to understand and hear me well, just because you owe someone does not mean they have the right to harass you. You're going to get something called a cease and desist letter. This is what I had to do myself because my phone was blowing up with debt collectors when I did when I was on my health and safety budget. I found a cease and desist letter online and I went to Staples and faxed them that what you're not gonna do is. <laughs> because by law, there are a set of laws in place that do not allow creditors to harass you in that way. You send them a cease and desist letter and say, here's how you can communicate with me via email, via written letter. You have to let them communicate with you, but you can say you are not allowed to call me. And instantly, I like the faxing is better than anything else because although it's very old school, it, it gives you that return receipt. And they know if we go to court and you bring that return receipt, they will be found liable for harassment. They're not allowed to do that. Those cease and desist letters will allow your phone to be quiet. You'll still get those letters in the mail and your emails, but that's fine. And when you're ready to pay, then you do. And so like, that's what I would suggest if you find yourself in dire straits is that sometimes it looks like you have to just huddle down, be still and actively work toward finding a job, but not putting yourself in further harm's way. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I did not know about the set of laws that do not allow for harassment. I think mm -hmm. that's super helpful. So you talked a little bit about one of your components was around like investing and saving. And I do feel like there's some confusion. You know, I've often heard people say like, oh, don't save your money because it'll end up losing you money in the long mm -hmm. run. Can you talk to us about the benefits of saving as we are in an economy that's ebbing and flowing? Yeah. So I want people to think about it saving the way you think about a seatbelt. Right? Savings is here as a protective tool. It is not there to make you money. It is not there to gain or whatever. We get it. We know inflation happens. But if you invest your savings and then the water heater goes out, what you gonna do, sis? The purpose of saving, that's why having your three months or whatever it is that you think you're gonna need that's necessary to, to hold you over until you find another job, that is the purpose of savings. It's a seat belt. It is not your cute Gucci belt. Like no one ever says, well, I'm not wearing that seat belt, girl, it's not cute. It's like, it saves lives, that's what it's here for. So allow savings to save you during those times, I think what people are confusing savings with is that there are people who oversave. I'm raising my hand. It's like the law of depreciating return. Up to a certain limit, it's not helpful anymore. Like at one point, I had two years worth of savings. Why, Tiffany? Why? So now I have one year, which is still too much, but I'm like, I need it! Because I have post-traumatic broke syndrome. I'm not going back. So Anjali is slowly easing my hands open to be like, let's just get to six months. I'm like, we gonna see. But past a year, anything excess, I do not allow myself to save, I invest. So if yours is three months, anything in excess, you can invest. And so that's the key is that you save first so you can have that safety in, a, in case of an emergency and then go ahead and get you that Gucci belt for cuteness. But the purpose of savings is to literally save you. It is not to make you money. Got it. 
So we have sisters in our community from early 20s, well into their 60s, and maybe sometimes even older. And I love that you've already talked about talking to your 16-year-old about setting up for retirement. And so that's something I would love for you to share with our community. So if there's one tip that you could give to sisters in each of those clusters, so in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, what should they be doing to prepare for retirement? So in your 20s, you're likely getting your first real job, cute test, right? So I want you to start, because you ain't had no money now anyway, start maxing out your <laughs> retirement account. Because once you get grown, you have some grown people bills and kids, it's hard to max out. But if you're 21, is your first job, max it out, sis. You've been broke. Like you have not seen that money. Start the practice of maxing out. Right now, I think it's 6,000 or maybe 6,500 is what you can put in the max through your, if you have a 401k at work. And so, or a Roth IRA, what you want to think about is that if your company matches, then put up to the match at your current company. If it doesn't, then I would open up an external Roth IRA. An IRA is an individual retirement account. And a Roth IRA is money set aside for retirement from your, your take-home pay money. So meaning like the government has already taken their taxes and everything else, and this is what's landing your actual paycheck, and then you put some of it into your retirement account. And the beauty of a Roth IRA is when you go to retire, you can withdraw the money tax-free, even though it's grown, because they're like, well, you paid taxes on the back end, so you can withdraw the money you put in plus the interest that it's earned tax-free. Now, a traditional IRA, is something where the government says, okay, you can put money that you make at work before taxes. So it will actually lower your current taxes because the way taxes work is you get taxed on what's left over, right? It's like, I made 100,000, I put 6,000 in my IRA. And so the government says, we're not gonna tax you on 100, we're gonna tax you on 94,000. So it lowers your taxes currently now. But I like putting my money in a Roth first because with Roth, Typically, there is a cap of how much you can make before you can't do a Roth anymore. Although there's something called a backdoor Roth, but if I'm speaking plainly that there's a cap, last time I checked, it was like $139,000, that after that, they don't like you to put money in a Roth IRA. So 20-year-old, put your money in retirement, max it out. Start with a Roth first if your company doesn't match, I mean, do that. In your 30s, I want you to focus on earning. Because this is when, like, maybe you have your second degree, you may or may not be considering getting married, maybe you're considering children, but this is really your peak. Focus on making sure that every single interview you are maxing out, you should be doing this anyway, but like, no matter what your age, but you are squeezing as much as you can out of the job that you have. So get your raises, ask for them. Create a Go Me file where you have a file of all the things that you do and you bring to the company and quantify. Because of me, we've made this much. Because of me, I saved you this much. So I'm not really asking for a raise. We're just trying to even playing field here. And so your 30s, focus on earning. Ask yourself, what else can I do to increase my income? Not necessarily more work for you, but getting more clever about earning more in your 30s. In your 40s, I want you to really start thinking about how do you want life to go? Because once you, once you really hit your 40s, hopefully you've earned a good amount of money, you have money set aside for retirement, maybe by now you're married and you have 
children and you can start to see that your kids are going to be going off to school maybe in 10 years or so and start to really you might start to be thinking about like I'm in my Sade era I used to be in my Beyonce era by any means necessary girl I'm out here working and now I'm 43 I'm in my Sade era where I just want to come out with an album every 10 years and woosah a little bit and so in your 40s I want you to start thinking forward because retirement is closer than you think so in your 40s, you might want to sit down and say, you know what, I think we should get a financial planner. You know, I think it's time to update. Maybe we need a trust because now we have more wealth. Let's start thinking about what our assets look like. Let's start really dreaming either by yourself or with a partner about how we want life to, to move forward. In your 50s, you should really be, it's hard to say because I'm not 50 yet. In my 50s, I would say for myself, I would really like to be really focused on leaving what my financial legacy is going to be. Like, okay, I've got nieces, I've got a nephew, my parents are still here, and God willing, they'll still be here in my 50s. And like, what do I really want my financial legacy to be, not just internally with my family, but externally? I just came back from Kenya, and it was an amazing, amazing trip. It was a retreat for black women, and it just was awesome. We did a service project where we went to this compound, this home for young teen moms. And some of them are young as 11, 12 years old, clearly taken advantage of. And it was then I was asking like, cause in, in Africa for, although school is free, you have to pay school fees in order to advance to the next grade to get your exam results. And I wanted to know how much do the school fees cost for all the girls here? And then I paid them. And I really had the intention of doing that every year. And I was like, that's the next level for me in my 50s, it's like, what is my external legacy financially and putting those things in place now that you hopefully have taken care of your family. And then in your 60s and beyond, hopefully, unless you're wanting, you don't have to work anymore and you're revisiting your finances to make sure they can see you through. You're updating any wills, any trusts and things like that. And you're really just leaning into day to day life you know, with your personal finances. I like working a little bit, but figuring out like in your 60s, like, okay, now that I'm here, what do I want to leave behind? But what do I also want to enjoy? Because you know what? Like someone gonna spend that money. Sis, you worked hard for it. Like, you know, you don't have to leave the family all the money. You know what I mean? I would really be leaning into enjoying like the hard work that I put in. And so that's what I see for like those age ranges. Perfect. Thank you so much for that, Tiffany. So now we do have some questions from our community. Again, they were super excited to hear that you were coming. So they submitted some questions to us for you. Okay. So the first one is Stacy is 35. She recently picked up some high interest loans because she had several unexpected bills simultaneously hit her. She's an hourly worker and doesn't have large sums of money coming in anytime soon or fast. Mm -hmm. She's considering enrolling in a debt consolidation program. She's unsure how to tell what programs are beneficial and which are predatory. What financial advice would you have for Stacy? So Stacy, you're right. There are many consolidation programs that are the worst, but there is one called, oh, what is that one called? Oh, I know it. It's right. nfcc.org. Got it. <laughs> National Foundation of Credit <laughs> Yes, National Foundation of Credit Counseling, nfcc.org will have like sister nonprofits in different states. So you'll be able to reach out to them and they will be able to find you their sister nonprofit in your state or even in your city. And so I think that's not necessarily a bad idea, but the key with debt consolidation is you cannot open up new debt 
because then you're old that plus this new debt and it's just like mm -mm. and so like yes i think that that might be a good idea for you if you promise to me and yourself that you're not going to incur you're not going to borrow additional debt and it sounds like to me stacy you have a don't make enough issue so i want you to ask yourself what are ways that i can bring additional income into my life is it a raise where i currently work do you have a linkedin page where you're like, I can update this to find additional work. My podcast partner for Brown Ambition, Mandy, you should follow her, Mandy Money on everything, Mandy with an I. She teaches negotiating, but also how to look for additional work that pays more. She's awesome at that. Like you could just follow her on social. She gives some great tips about how do I increase my income? Because that's what it sounds like you're needing to do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. More from our conversation after the break. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It's crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us. Black women seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or our community, your health is invaluable. Let's help to get our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head over to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now online and in-store. Some of my favorites are the jewelry from Hey Maeve, and the skincare products from Kaja. For the entire month of May, join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. You can show your support by donating online or by rounding up in store to benefit APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Join me by rounding up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support API Scholars, an educational nonprofit. 
Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. You may be aware that most people who are black have O type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct, positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Kim is a vivacious 50-year-old. She's single and the hottest grandma you've ever witnessed. Due to a lack of resources, always taking care of other folks and some poor planning, she has no retirement account to look forward to. She wants to retire with dignity and have a fly and fabulous funeral when the Lord finally calls her home. What kinds of services or programs might she want to look into to help secure her future? So one, Kim, I would say, do you have life insurance? If you're flying, you're healthy, you can still get life insurance. So that way, one of the core purposes of life insurance is, one, yes, to look after your family when you're no longer here. If you're flying single, I don't know if maybe you have grown kids, but your life insurance can be the policy that they can use to put you away in the fashion that you'd like to be put away. And so that's one. Consider life insurance for that component. Term life insurance. I know some of my financial advisors who sell whole life are like, no, I'm like, boo, tomato, tomato. No, I don't like whole life. It's super expensive. And the purpose of term life insurance, it's supposed to be for term. Like, it's so frustrating, Dr. Joy, because it's like when you get insurance for your car, you don't say, oh, when I didn't get to a car accident. Give me my money back. So why is life insurance? Because it's a difference between term and whole life is that whole life you keep paying and it never expires or whatever. But for term, it's meant to expire because it's meant to be for a specific time period. Typically, the time period of like 20 to 30 years when you're actively taking care of your family financially. By the time you're 50 or 60, like if my parents don't leave me life insurance, okay, because I'm not 10 anymore. And it's way less expensive. Like a 40-year-old woman who doesn't smoke a million-dollar policy for term, you're looking at 40 bucks a month. A 40-year-old woman who doesn't smoke a million-dollar policy for whole life, you're looking at 740 a month. Mm-hmm. That's $700 that that woman can use to make her life better now and invest. So anyway, so what I would say, Miss 50 and Vivacious, life insurance, you, because you're 50, they have this catch-up policy when it comes to retirement, meaning that you can put in more, I think it's about like $1,000 more, or $1,500 more into a retirement account. So I'll be sitting down with a financial advisor to ask like, okay, I'm assuming you're still working. How do you max out your retirement? Because you have 15 years before you officially retire as far as the government is concerned. And so how, for the next 15 years, how can you max out your retirement funds to make sure that you can see yourself through? Perfect. And then one last one. So Peach is 18 and just graduated from high school. She's not planning to go to college because she's already been offered a full-time salary job in the industry she wants to work in. She's motivated to build financial wealth, but doesn't want to become a CEO, the world's 10th black woman billionaire to do it. Peach wants to know, is there a way to become financially independent for folks who just want to do a job and don't want to own a business? 
Absolutely. You don't have to own a business. It sometimes can expedite it just because the tax code is written for business owners because this is the way the government looks. So when I was a teacher, Tiffany, the government said, oh, Tiffany, you may, I was making like $36,000 a year. And they said, if you put money in your retirement account, say $6,000, we're going to tax you on $30,000. And it's like, huh, I don't have a choice. That's what it is. Now, business owner, Tiffany, the government says, I'm just making up a number. You make $500,000 a year, like in business. Well, actually the budget needs to, we talking about Janice. The budget needs to make multiple million dollars a year in business. But I'm like, before you text me, I just bought this car for the business. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, now you made a little less. And I bought this building and I paid this salary and I redid my office and, 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 and. So you can make $10 million in business, spend 9.9, .9, and what's left over is $100,000, that's what you get taxed on. That's why it's typically faster to grow wealth as a business owner, but it's not impossible to grow wealth as someone who is not a business owner. The key is, I love this 18 year old, the key is this, is that one, you have to have an income, which you have the salary, which is great. But I caution you to, in your field, find a mentor in your field to see what additional education might be required to make more money. It might not be a college degree, but it might be a certificate or something. If you want to move up the ladder and make more, consider that. So one, you have to make income. Two, you have to spend less than you make. My dad would always say, you cut your coat according to your size. You have to spend less than you make. And with the excess, the between what I make and what I spend, you're going to save some until you get your emergency fund funded. And then you're going to invest. It's the investing that's going to grow you wealth. So I wish more people understood that the purpose of working, aside from paying your bills and things, is to own. It is to work, you pay your bills, you go on vacation, you have a little fun, you save some, and then you invest to own, whether you invest in real estate, in the market, in a business, but you invest to own. And if you keep doing that, eventually the things that you own will make you enough money to put you out of business, to put you out of work. And so now me as Tiffany at 43, I don't have to work anymore if I don't want to, because the things that I own work for me. And so if you keep that in mind, young 18 year old, then you will be just fine. Make your money, spend less than you make, save some until you get to your savings account, invest the rest. If you don't know how to invest, you're 18, girl, get a book, it's in a book, it's reading rainbow, like take a classic, a course, Start to learn to invest and invest to own, and you will be just fine. And, you know, I'll see you on Wealth Island, sis. <laughs> it's cute over here. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for that, Tiffany. So you have been dropping resources the whole conversation, but are there other, like, people we should follow, books besides your own, other podcasts that people should be tapped into to learn more about the things that you've been discussing? I love Earn Your Leisure. Right. Those young brothers are like doing a great job. They have something called Market Mondays with Ian Dunlap, who's the master investor. So he really breaks down like the market and what's happening in a simple way. I love Josh Breet. I think it's Singh. He's on Instagram. It's a minority mindset. That's a really great, especially for beginners, because he breaks down like what's happened in the economy. What's the economy? And so like Minority Mindset is awesome. If you're just looking for budgeting stuff, the budget mom, her name is Kamuko. I really like her. I like her first 100K, Tori Dunlap. She's very much like down with the patriarchy. So if you know you need that pro-girl sisterhood, she's great. Some books to read. I really like 
David Bach, this is very throwback, but David Bach is like, he doesn't do as much as with books anymore, but he's got this great series called Live Rich. So he has Smart Women Finish Rich, The Automatic Millionaire. Those were great books that I read when I was very young, like 20, 21. He actually inspired the way I show up because I knew I was silly and fun. And, and I read this book. It was like, this doesn't seem stuffy and mean. And so I love the David Bach books. So definitely look into those. Yeah. And also, too, I like... In general, if you're wanting like just success in general, it's really an internal job. So it's not just working on your money. You know, I'm sure Dr. Joy would agree as a therapist that like the better I am as Tiffany, the better I show up holistically and a rising tide lifts all boats. And so I spend a lot of time getting better as me, like setting boundaries, having tough conversations, you know, like I read to expand just the way that I think, because in doing so, I'm able to take advantage of financial opportunities. So it's not just money. I love the podcast on how I built this. You know, even if you don't have a business, it's a great podcast to hear how these major businesses were built like from the ground up because it expands your mind to think differently. And so that's what I really would encourage is that like, yes, as you're working on your finances, that you remember that really you're working on yourself. It's discipline, it's consistency, it's communication. These are just tools that you can apply to your personal finances, but will help you across the board. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Thank you for that, <laughs> Tiffany. So where can we stay connected with you? Where should we follow you online as well as any websites you want to share? I am the budgetista on all the things, right? Uh, if you see me TikTok, it just knows under duress, child. So I can teach this girl some lessons. <laughs> She'd be like, again, I'm like, I don't want to I'm on TikTok, Instagram, which is my current favorite, although I'm not there as much. Facebook, because I'm still old school. Twitter. I'm the budgetista at thebudgetnista.com. And if you want to get the book, it's Get Good With Money. And it's available at Get goodwithmoney.com. There's a toolkit there that I made that's totally free and it will help you. Like, even if you don't get the book, it's this awesome toolkit with all the resources from the book that you can like find a financial advisor, my budget worksheet, all of that is for free via the kit. And I do have one more tool, Dr. Joy. I just did something called the literature challenge with my audience and almost 300,000 people signed up for the literature. I know. And so, because, you know, the beginning of the year, everyone's hyped. And so it's totally free. I used to do them. If you're an old school dream catcher, that's what I named my audience. Then you remember I used to do the challenge every year some years ago. And I brought it back because of this looming recession. This year's challenge is the savings edition. 90% of people who took the challenge said that they were helped. 86% saved money. And so if you're wanting to do it, it's totally free. It's always been free. It's my way of giving back to, especially my community is, is 90% black women who might not have access to the tools and resources to help themselves. So I'm always committed to keeping it free. It's available at LRC for Literature Challenge, lrcsave.com. It's automated now because we just went through the live version, but there's a community attached on the back end. So I don't believe in navigating this world alone. And so you will be surrounded by loving sisters just like you who are also working on their finances. So hopefully we'll see you at the challenge at lrcsave.com. Perfect. Well, we'll be sure to include all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Tiffany. I really appreciate you sharing with us today. No, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so glad Tiffany was able to join us today to break down the ins and outs of personal finance. If you want more, 
Join her Live Richer movement, where she's helped 2 million women save over $350 million and pay off over $200,000 in debt. To learn more and to sign up for her challenge, visit therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 291. And don't forget to text two of your girls and tell them to check out the episode right now. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue digging into this topic or just be in community with other sisters, come on over and join us in the Sister Circle. It's our cozy corner of the internet designed just for Black women. You can join us at community.therapyforblackgirls.com. This episode was produced by Frida Lucas and Elise Ellis, and editing was done by Dennis and Bradford. Thank y'all so much for joining me again this week. I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. Hey ladies, it's Dr. Joy. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Nowadays, a lot of these big companies pretend to care about our communities and issues with nothing more than lip service. State Farm is the opposite. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help educate in financial literacy give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something they care deeply about. They want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Forum understands that representation alone doesn't mean authenticity, that it takes a good neighbor to sponsor programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements and to fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth that to date participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.